Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Silence can elicit different emotions for different people. Like a moment of silence, silence can be moving as we remember those who laid down their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy today. Silence can also be moving when we remember those who are innocent victims in attacks that our country has experienced, like from 9-11 some 18 years ago. Or even more recently, when uh, Lakers star Kobe Bryant died and many teams took an 8-second or a 24-second shot clock violation to begin their games, silence can be moving. But silence can also be unsettling. One of the jobs that I had when I was at the seminary was that of a campus security officer, and it sounds better than it actually was. As a security officer, the one task or two tasks that we had were to watch the cameras uh, of what's happening on campus, which half the time they weren't working, so there goes half the job. And then the other half was to lock the doors on campus, and there are quite a few doors on the seminary campus, and it was fine because we locked them anywhere between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., which... A lot of guys were still out having dinner and things like that. People were on campus, so could always talk to a few people as we did that. But the final job that we had to do every single night before we left at 2 a.m. was to go around and pull all of the doors on campus to see if they were still locked and shut. Even though I'd walked the campus hundreds of times before, there was something about going out in the middle of the night, midnight, 1 a.m., that made the campus just a little unsettling, and I think it was that silence. There were no sirens, no dogs barking, anything like that, but it was just silent. Silence, though, can also be something hard to come by, especially for those that have children. Uh, for us, we don't have that problem. We just have a dog that barks at everything that walks by our door, and our front door has a sliding glass door, so there's a lot of barking that goes on at our house. But even in our culture today, in the midst of the world that we live, let's just be honest, we're constantly surrounded by noise, whether that's from our phones, our tablets, our watches, our devices. We're constantly getting notifications and updates about what is taking place. And so silence might be something that we actually long to have. No notifications, no dings, no buzzes. We can simply enjoy the presence of those that we are gathered together with, sometimes in silence. But we also don't want to have silence for too long a period of time because we do know the harmful effects that isolation can bring upon an individual. And it's relative silence today that we see or that we hear coming from Jesus in our text. Jesus says four words in our text, you have said so. This in response to Pilate's question to him, are you the king of the Jews. In Greek, it's actually only two, suleges. Jesus says very few words in our text for today, and yet we know that even though Jesus has few words to speak, that does not mean that he is not active or doing things in this text. We know that our God has a, a knack of doing things, or a lot of things, with a little amount to start, kind of like the creation of the world. Our God was able to create everything in this world ex nihilo, or out of absolutely nothing. And he did this with his word. He said, let there be light, and 
there was light. Our God chose to use the second-born son, Jacob, instead of the first-born Esau to be the one that he chose to set his love upon and to make into a great nation of people. This is what we hear Moses recounting in Deuteronomy chapter 7 when he says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." We see that our God is able to accomplish a lot with it a little uh, when he chose to use David, the youngest son of Jesse, to be the one who slayed that Goliath, uh, the Philistine warrior. And even with his own son, though he only lived here on earth for 30 years and did public ministry for three years, he was able to accomplish quite a bit in that amount of time. Through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his triumphant resurrection, he was able to reconcile the entire world to himself, that all people might have salvation through faith in him. And I think Paul summarizes this very well when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring about the things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Which raises the question for us then, if God is able to do a lot in the midst of the little, what might God be able to do through us in all that he has given to us? Few thoughts for us to consider from those who have practiced their faith longer than I have. Mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. She also said, if you can't feed 100 people, then just feed one. But if Mother Teresa is a little too Catholic for you, let's go back to our own roots in the Reformation and that of Luther. Luther said, we are all mere beggars showing others where to find bread. But not only can Jesus accomplish a lot with a little, we also see Jesus accomplishing much today in our text in complete silence. After, uh, again, Jesus has answered Pilate, you have said so, the chief priests and the elders bring many accusations against Jesus of the crimes that he has committed that would warrant then his death in their mind. And this is the point then where Pilate assumes that Jesus is going to defend himself, kind of like what we see happening if we watch any daytime television. This is where you show that those people who are making these accusations against you are completely making them up or they're falsifying them in some way. You defend yourself. And this is what Pilate assumes that Jesus will do as well. And we would rightly assume that too. I mean, Jesus is the one who has infinite amounts of wisdom and knowledge. He could simply use his own human logic to box Pilate in to the only answer that he could have is to release Jesus. He could also cry out to his father to release him, and he could send legions of angels to do that. He could even call out to his father, who has promised in the past that he will defend him. We hear in Jeremiah chapter 51, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will plead your cause and take vengeance for you. And yet, 
do we hear any response from Jesus? No. But Jesus made no further answer. In the midst of the uneasy silence of Jesus, we can begin to see the work of Christ anew for us today. It wasn't that Jesus was at a loss for words. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know how to respond in this situation. It was that Jesus was being actively obedient and silent for us. He was being silent so that he could go to the cross in our place. So that on the cross he could take upon himself the sins of the entire world, sins that we ourselves have committed. He was silent so that he could experience on the cross the worst pain possible. Not that he was crucified, but rather that the Father was silent when he cried out to him, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was silent for us so that we might be a part of the family of God. And so that in the midst of the roar and the chaos of the world that is around us, we would hear the words of the Father. Not just hear them, but take them to heart. And the words that he has for us today are from Isaiah chapter 43. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And I love you. Jesus was actively silent for us so that we would not ever have to be silent in the midst of this world, so that we could speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, so that we could take a stand for those who are poor, for the needy, for the disenfranchised, for those who need help the most, and that in so doing, in being their voice, in standing up for them, we could earn a right to be heard by them and bring to them the very best news that they could ever hear, that they have a God who loves them, who cares for them, and who desires to be in a relationship with them. And might we even have an opportunity to speak up in the midst of the chaos that we're experiencing in the world today with this pandemic? Let's be honest, we can understand why the world is freaking out around us. The normal sources that they turn to in order to find hope, in order to find peace, in order to find security and safety really have no answer for them at this time or for the foreseeable future. And yet we as followers of Christ, even in the midst of crisis, we still have peace. We still have hope because those are not tied to anything that we have in this world or anything of this world, but rather are tied to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who himself overcame death and the grave. And that then led the Apostle Paul in our epistle reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 today 
to say in verse 10, on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Even though Paul and Timothy had experienced lots of persecution, pain, and suffering, they put their hope in God, that as God had acted in the past, so also would he act now, and he would deliver them. He would provide them with exactly what they needed at this present time. And that's exactly what we have today as well, by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have hope. We have peace. And we can go about our lives with a quiet confidence. That was the phrase that pastor friend of mine once told me. We can go about with a quiet confidence because we know the work of Christ is final and complete, and he has given the victory to us even today. So may we then go out into this world to those that we interact with, few though they may be today and in the days to come, and share with them this hope-filled message that we have as they are without hope. But this silence of Jesus, it doesn't just amaze us or cause us to wonder. It also did for Pontius Pilate as well. But did it shape and form his life in any way? Did it completely change how he lived at that time and the actions that he would take forthcoming? Based on the text that we have today, it does not look like that is the case. It looks like Pilate goes back to his normal ways of ruling his people. He had a custom at this time when the Passover was taking place that he would release one prisoner. And so he says, would you like for me to release to you the king of the Jews or Barabbas? And even though he thinks that the, the chief priests and the elders have stirred up the crowd out of envy, we still hear in verse 15, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released to them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Pilate simply went back to his old way of ruling. This silent witness of Jesus really didn't change things for him. But it's this pain, this mockery, this beating that Jesus faces, and then his arraignment before the people that we're going to consider this next Wednesday at St. Paul in station number six of the cross from John chapter 19. But if that's how Pilate chose to respond to the silence of Jesus, how do we? Does the silence of Jesus shape and form our understanding of who he is or what he has done for us or how we are to live our lives in the midst of our culture today? Or do we simply quickly pass by this silence of Jesus and go on with the rest of our lives. It was the 20th century British Anglican priest, G.A. Stedrick Kennedy, who lamented the indifference that he saw in his own people when he wrote, when Jesus came to Birmingham, they simply passed him by. They would not hurt a hair of him, they only let him die. For men had grown more tender and would not give him pain. They only passed down the street and left him in the rain. So it's my hope that as followers of Christ, this would not be our response to the silence of Jesus, that it would not be indifference, but rather that his silence would shape and form our witness in the world today. We live at a time and in a place where 
anyone can say almost anything that they want without any repercussions, and any amount of people will follow them, like them, or agree with them, or raise them up. And while we might disagree with those people, maybe the best response that we can have in those times is not that we write a response to them and hit return, but rather maybe use the delete button and simply let our silence be our witness in this world. And it's this silence that can be a witness in this world and can be a blessing for those whom God has placed around us that we really see taking place in our Old Testament reading today from Job chapter 2. Job's friends usually get a bad rap, and rightly so. They try and go on to explain the reasons for the Almighty and why He's doing the things that take place throughout the rest of the book of Job. But I think that Job's friends start off well. When they go to Job and they find Job in the midst of his pain and his suffering, and don't just sit with him for a minute or two in silence or even an hour or even one day, but rather who simply sit with Job in silence for seven days straight. Might our God be calling us to use silence for the benefit of those whom he has placed around us. Maybe instead of trying to have the, the right answer or the right words to say for someone based on what they might be experiencing, maybe our God is simply calling us to be His very presence with them in the midst of whatever they're facing so that they might experience His love and His compassion and that they would know that their God walks with them through whatever they are facing. Silence will continue to elicit different emotions for us as God's people. But may our God lead us with confidence to speak, maybe at such a time as this, in the midst of the uncertainties in our world today, but then also give us the wisdom to know when we are not to speak and to simply let our presence be His presence in his presence of silence, be our witness in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.